Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hi, everybody. My name is Kai Devereaux Lawson, and I am the co-host and co-producer of Mixed Company Podcast, and I am here in partnership with the Advertising Club of New York as we present to you the 2019 Black History Month campaign entitled Icons, Rockstars, and Innovators. And I am here with somebody that I've been dying to speak with for, I guess, how long have we been doing the podcast? About three years? Yes, three years. I'm here with Sheldon Levy. Sir, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you today. And I'm humbled to be here. Being humble to be around me, that, that makes me laugh a little bit because, like, anybody that knows me from back in the day, they'll be like, Kai, and I'll be like, yeah, no, he was excited to talk to me. So we're here for a full conversation about Fantastic. your career. We're going to talk a little bit about the golden age of advertising, uh, which we're earmarking from the 1960s to the early 90s. Um, and I, I'm just going to assume you know a little bit about that. A bit. A bit? Yeah, just a bit. Well, anything you know would be great to hear uh, sure. from you. So let's start off by getting an idea of um, what your career has been like as a man of color in advertising. Well, um, I'd have to say that, you know, first of all, I think I started in the sunset of the madman era mm. when if you had a mouthful of chiclets, a low golf score, and knew your way around a martini, you know, you had a career. I got two out of three, so this is fine. <laughs> I can do it. And you were Caucasian male. Oh, well, you so, know, can't uh, all. So, you know, uh, my impressions were it, it, it was the, you know, the sunset of, of that era, but all of those characters were still around and reigning. Um, but I was a member of the inaugural class of MAPE, mm. the Multicultural Advertising Internship Program. That's where, like the... That, you, the inaugural class means the first first class. So that's like. 1973. Woo, okay. 1973. And uh, there were 20 of us. Wow. And uh, they all got jobs. I mean, you know, they're all the best doctors, lawyers, and morticians all over the country. But I was the only person who <laughs> got addicted to, 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 to advertising. You kept the bug. Okay. Yeah. And I'm proud to say that, you know, 45 years later, Last August, we, we pinned nine, 219 graduates. Wow. So, but uh, yeah, that, that sort of was the, the imprimatur of, of, my, of my career mm -hmm. in advertising. Um, I had a career in, in radio before that. I was precocious. I started at the age of 17. Oh, man. But, um, a little ambitious, huh? A little bit. But, but, but MAPE, for me, was, a, was not just... Uh, a gateway, but it was a branding experience. Mm -hmm. uh, what it did was, it, I got a leg up because it, 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 it sort of branded me in a way that just always distinguished me from the rest of the crowd. Black, brown, blue, green, or purple. Got it. Uh, because they said, this kid's been through this crucible. We don't exactly know what it is, mm -hmm. but uh, he knows a little something. something. So you were a part of the first class of Mapers. Um, so tell me about your career after that. What was your next step? Well, the next step was finishing school. And after that, I you know, went back to radio. I worked in talk radio as a producer and a salesman mm -hmm. for another two years. And then uh, serendipitously, I got a call from uh, Compton Advertising. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I got hired in a position that they didn't have. They, they, they didn't have assistant producers, and I was the first one. Mm -hmm. And I worked there for uh, two years. And I worked on, I think, nine P&G brands. And uh, I actually commuted for two years between New York, Toronto, and Montreal. Ooh. That's not like, you know, that's no Brooklyn to Manhattan. No, but, but it was interesting journey. because it was that, that classic P&G production training program of the 70s, you know, where you, you, it was all disciplined and it was all, you know, mm -hmm. make sure that every, all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. It was great, and I had a, I had a really good mentor there at the time. And then uh, the life-changing experience for me was that I... Uh, I got a casual introduction to um, a man who changed my life, and named late Jim DeBarros. Those are the best casual introductions who, who, um, was had just been promoted to vice president at Doyle Dane Burnback. Okay. It was a big deal back then. Uh-huh. And um, he decided that he wanted to hire me, though I didn't have work on my reel that was up to quote-unquote DDB's standards. And... Um, he, uh, I get a little um, choked up every time I talk about it because he had to risk his career to hire me because people didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will recall, I'll paraphrase, he said, the guy's got the goods, he's educated, he's smarter than all you guys in the room, so I'm going to hire him. Mm -hmm. And those, uh, I guess, eight years were probably uh, the most developmental, the most energetic. It was a tremendous place to work. Not without his flaws, not without his prejudices, but uh, working at DDB at that time on VW and all that other stuff. It's amazing you actually speak about that because I can um, call to quite a few shows that we've recorded on Mixed Company where, you know, we've discussed the people that put their careers on a line to hire us and why we've become so passionate. So it's amazing to hear that even before um, our careers were even decided upon that there have been people consistently within this industry that were willing to bet on your smarts um, and hope for the best for everybody. So it's amazing. Yeah, changed the entire course of my life. So even with that being said, so we are discussing what we're calling the golden age of black advertising. Um, what would you say... Um, would you be able to say that you think we might be in a moment like that today, being that during uh, the 60s through the early 90s, there was uh, an air of collective empowerment and consciousness that people were starting to feel comfortable being themselves and moving away from um, identifying with the status quo, mainstream, assimilation. Um, it feels like that today, but I wonder, do you agree? Well, I think it may be that way simply because there our business is 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 more than evolving mm -hmm. it's kind of convulsing okay and i think now th th that uh there is such a wave of of recreation mm -hmm. i mean every three weeks i look like there's a different roadmap to success for agencies and prof and agency professionals mm -hmm. so i think there is some there is some some growth room simply because we, we are in this tumultuous time where all of the rules don't count anymore. They sure don't. You know, and, and so I think that within that, it's necessary that companies and individuals innovate. Mm -hmm. Speaking of innovation, 
you know, we're celebrating black history um, as it pertains to the advertising business. I'm wondering if you have a specific innovation or a specific moment within this golden era or this golden age of black advertising that you think we should celebrate this month? Well, you know, my experience, uh, my observation is if you want to talk about the, the eternal impact that mm. I think those companies had, it was, it was twofold. I think it was truth. Mm. That the reason why they succeeded and needed to be because they brought a real truth about people of color and African Americans in particular uh, into, the, into their depiction in, in print, in radio, and television. So I think that was one thing. I think the other thing was, I don't think that this industry ever did anything with music mm. the way that they do now because of the innovations and, and trails that agencies like Burrell and Uniworld did with not merely propping up artists of color, but uh, building stories around them. Mm -hmm. And, and, and actually producing tracks with them. And I think that's something that, that those agencies took the lead on. I think that's a, an everlasting uh, effect. I would also agree with that. I mean, most of the commercials that I can remember are jingles from the radio growing up. Like, I knew them as if they were songs from the radio. Sure, like, sure. you could put that on a whole mixtape and I'd sing along with it. So 100% agree with that. Speaking of Uniworld and uh, Burrell as agencies, um, there have been quite a number of black-owned and led agencies um, throughout the duration of this golden age of black advertising. Why do you think some of these agencies, specifically Burrell and Uniworld, have been able to sustain themselves so long um, in the current culture of advertising? Well, it's interesting. I, I think that the founders of those, all the, of those agencies were grounded, they were ad people. Mm -hmm. They were ad people, they had come through the crucible of, of general market, unfriendly waters, and they, they had the goods. Mm -hmm. So I think that they, they had a tremendous discipline and, and, and an insight that, that, that was armor during the tough times. You know, I think one of the things that always bothered me about the way that professionals of color in our business were perceived, and particularly the work that, that the quote-unquote special markets agency did was, was that it was like neighborhood youth core filmmaking. Mm -hmm. You know, that somehow or other uh, this was remedial advertising, simply because people of color were behind it. Mm -hmm. and, and that, while it was not true, it was grounded in a, a, a sociological um, uh, conceit and prejudice uh, that had so much to do with the fact that if you're in charge and you write the cultural standards, that's right. um, that it must be so. So anyway, that's my take. Definitely. You've actually mentioned a couple times having the goods. What would you say... Um, are, what would, what makes up the goods? What does it mean to actually have the goods in this industry? Well, you know, first of all today, I think it's a work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, it's 
skin that's not too thin and skin that's not too thick. Um, and it's, it's talent. Mm -hmm. And it's passion. I, I think, particularly today, when we're on such shifting sands, mm -hmm. one has to be passionate about what you do. Um, so for me, I think those are sort of the, the most salient qualities. So I have one last question for you, um, because you have just such an amazing story. Uh, and I mean, it's Black History Month. In your career, can you recall any memories uh, that you've experienced that you can say, you know what, that, that right there is Black History? Well, I can think of two that I wasn't directly involved in. Mm -hmm. But I have to think that there's a, a little publicized watershed moment when uh, Burger King, which, as we all know, mm -hmm. has shopped around a bit, yep. uh, was looking for a campaign. And they, they just did, their, their agencies, quote unquote, couldn't get it. And Uniworld had the campaign. And yeah. so for a very long time, Uniworld was running the campaign for, for uh, and I think that's an, a little recognized uh, uh, a moment. Another thing I think goes back to uh, something they observed with Burrell. Uh, Coca-Cola had a product called Sprite, which they could not get a handle on what to do. And Tom Burrell and his team got involved and made that brand not just viable, but made it sale. And I think any time that they differed from mm -hmm. that course, Burrell's probably had to come in with the fire engine and put out the fire. Mm -hmm. So those are two things you know, that, that I observed. I would have to say that if there was a black history moment, I would think that it would be, I think, the founding of ad color mm. uh, is, is a watershed, a landmark, and a, and a, and a business-changing innovation. Amazing. So big ups to Tiffany Warren. And also big ups to you. Like you get a major shout out sitting here with you to hear your story and get your insight on, you know, time before I even started my career in this business is amazing. So thank you for sitting with me. Thank you all for joining in and, and listening to our conversation. Um, and we'll be speaking, I'm sure. I hope so. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. My pleasure.